Howdy, my friends, and welcome to episode 127 of our Keeping Up with the King series as we make our way through the book of Matthew. We are in Matthew 11, and last time we read uh, some of the woes that Jesus was reading, or was reading, was, I was reading them, he was saying them, uh, some of the woes Jesus spoke uh, over the cities where his miraculous deeds were seen, where his words were spoken, and yet people did not respond. And so now we're going to read uh, what he says after that. And we're, I think we're only going to do, um, well, we'll see. Maybe we can do a couple of verses here, maybe three. We'll see. Um, so Jesus, it says in verse 25, it says, at this time, I'm sorry, I already read it wrong. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. All right, so that's quite a mouthful, the second half. But uh, that first verse, you know, he talks about, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. So, Sometimes when we read the Bible, um, we have to pay attention um, to what the person is saying. And one of the, well, clearly, I guess that's kind of obvious, but but we have to consider uh, what they're saying in light of, um, I guess, the way, sometimes things are spoken in a way they're spoken from the perspective of God. Sometimes they're spoken from the perspective of men and that makes a difference. And so as we're reading this, we also have to keep in mind, is he speaking from a, um, of these men from an earthly perspective or from a heavenly perspective, right? Because if we think about it, he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent. Well, if we're talking about the wise and prudent being people who are seeking after godly wisdom and seeking to be prudent in their pursuit of him, uh, it's a very strange thing to say. But if we say, wait a minute, maybe he's speaking of those people that from an earthly perspective are wise and prudent, those who consider themselves to be wise and prudent, those people who have an elevated view of their own understanding of things and their own understanding of God to the point where um, they have an, maybe a degree of spiritual pride where they seem to think they've got it all together. You know, when we think of the religious leaders at the time of Christ who you know, clearly we're rejecting him. Um, clearly they were not wise, <laughs> but in their own eyes, they were quite wise. And in the, in the sight of um, the people that were around them, I'm sure they were considered greatly wise. And so sometimes we read things like this and it can be confusing. Like, why would God hide things from the wise and from the prudent? Well, if he's speaking about the wise and the prudent from his vantage point, that's one thing. But if he's talking about the wise and the prudent from the world's standpoint, uh, that's something else. And that I think if we consider the context, we consider the totality of Scripture, it seems pretty clear that God's not saying I'm hiding this from people that want to know and are seeking godly wisdom that are pursuing me in the in the Scripture. But instead, it's those people who have a, that elevated view of their own wisdom and knowledge. And those people, God, you know, he says, you know, God has hidden himself or hidden these things from those people um, and have revealed them to babes. Um, now, 
I think the idea of babes here again is, you know, this idea of a childlike faith, those people who are willing to sit and learn and to receive from him and not to be one who is, um, uh, you know, holding his feet to the grill on everything, questioning everything he says. And, uh, you know, like, well, like we see the Pharisees do as we, as we'll read on when they, they're starting to question his, his actions and whether or not he's doing this right or that right. And, uh, testing him according to their traditions rather than to the word of God. Uh, he's going to go, uh, he's going to go at them a little bit. Uh, when we get to verse or chapter 12, we'll see that. Um, so the second part that we read, he says, all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. Now, as I said at the beginning, this this is kind of a mouthful. Um, because he's, he, I think if we read it all the way through like I did, it can be really confusing. So let's take it phrase by phrase and see what he is saying. So he says, all things have been delivered to me by my father. All right, so Jesus is saying all this, all my wisdom, all of the knowledge, all that I have, uh, it's been delivered to me by my father. And then he says, and no one knows the son except the father. So does that mean the disciples didn't know him? Yes, uh, that's what it means, yeah, because he's talking about a, a deeper knowledge than uh, being a personal acquaintance, but having that total knowledge and understanding. He says, nobody really, nobody knows me, but the Father. You you know what God has revealed to you. You know what he's what He's shown you. You know They know of Jesus, what Jesus has um, revealed to them, what they've seen him do. But they've, I mean, you think about uh, the uh, omnipotence of God and the uh, omniscience of God and uh, the wisdom of God, and you start to say, well, did they know that after hanging out with Jesus for three years? Yeah, probably not. So uh, he goes on and he says, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. So again, talking about this relationship uh, within the Trinity, this this total knowledge of one another, uh, perfect knowledge and total knowledge of one another. So he says, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. So no one really knows the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. And now this is a pretty, this is a pretty amazing statement that Jesus is making. And again, there's those that try to uh, downplay uh, Jesus part in the Trinity. Uh, there will even be those that say, well, the Trinity, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Uh, yeah, that's because that would be an English word and the Bible is not written in English. But nonetheless, um, the question is, do, do you see the Trinity in the Bible? And if you are familiar with the doctrine of the Trinity and you're familiar with the scripture, I think it's pretty easy to say that you'll see these things. That when Jesus is talking about um, the Father, that he's not talking about himself taking on another form something like that. Um, we see also that he's he's saying that, again, that if you want access to the Father, it's it's through him. And the only people who are going to know the Father are those who, who the Son wills to reveal him. Now, this is one of those questions, I think, that, that it's really easy to get into those, those big debates about, okay, well, wait a minute, who, who does the Son will to reveal him? And uh, I think if we read the previous verse, you'll see that his will to reveal him is to those who... Um, 
are not the wise and the prudent in their own eyes and in their own spiritual understanding. And, and really, if you think about it, that really makes sense. Who's going to be looking for Jesus when they think they already know the answer? You know, who, who, um, I, my, my joke is always this when you always, they, they say 99% of skiing accidents happen on the last run of the day. Well, yeah, because who gets up and skis more after they're injured? Not a lot of people. Um, and also, they, they, as the saying goes, why do you always find things in the last place you look? Well, because once you find it, you quit looking. Uh, you generally don't go looking for things that you think you have. You know, it's not until you recognize like, hey, where's my wallet? Hey, where's my phone? Where's this or where's that that you start to look for it? As long as you think you have it, you're not looking for it. There's things that you think you have in your garage that were thrown away a long time ago, but you're not looking for them because you think you have it. And I think that's the idea here that we're, as we read this, that, that the idea here is that those who think they've got it are, are not seeing it. And, and uh, it's hidden from their sight. They think they've got it together. And, you know, you'll, you've probably met people like this where you try to share the truth with them and they think they've already got it. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Sometimes you'll talk to people that were, you know, maybe they were raised in the church or raised in a, um, a, uh, a cult that um, would be a, um, she called a Christian, Christianized cult. I, I can't think of the proper term, but a cult that has the idea that, oh, we are, we are Christians. They will call themselves that and use the Bible and additional books or additional teachings or whatever to, to um, you know, you can't understand the Bible without the teachings of, you know, Lord such and such. And uh, anyway, those people are so hard to talk to. They're so hard to share the truth of God's word with because they think they already know it. You know, I have, I have some friends that, um, that I have a hard time getting them to listen uh, when I, when I'm sharing things, because as soon as I start talking about it, their attitude is, Oh yeah, I already know that. And, and I know they don't, you know, and sometimes I'm asking like, well, explain to me what you think I'm about to tell you. It's, what does that mean? You're, you're trying to get to break down that idea that they already know it. So anyway, I think that's the general idea is, hey, people aren't looking for stuff that they think they have. So what do we do with those people? Well, I think number one thing, keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. Um, pray that God will move those blinders from their eyes. You know, as we as we talk, uh, one of the things I like to I like to ask questions, um, asking people questions. Uh, if somebody's faith is uh in the wrong things or their foundation of their belief system is faulty uh, questions will reveal the cracks. They'll, as you start to ask the questions, um, the questions as they, as they should, they will start to break things down. And so that's just the thing to start asking them like, well, why do you believe that? What's the foundation of what you believe? Why, you know, uh, you know, what, by what standard are you basing this? Uh, is it, you know, how do you know that that's true? All these things that people would ask us as Christians that hopefully, Hopefully, you as a Christian, have an answer to, if you're a Christian, uh, you know, hey, we, we ought to have answers. And, and I always appreciate people that ask questions because uh, we shouldn't be hiding. You know, we don't want to be hiding from, from questions because here's the great thing. We have the truth. And when you have the truth um, that we have in God's word, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of hard questions because God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, so, hey. Uh, I guess we'll sign off right now. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time.